starting from verse 7. Then came the day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owners of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. And he said to them, I've eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The son of man will go as it, as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which of them it might be who would do this. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lord us over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not going to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. You are those who have stood by me in my trials, and I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the cock crows today, you will deny me three times, that you, you will deny three times that you know me. Then Jesus asked them, when I sent you without purse, bag or sandals, did you lack anything? Nothing, they answered. He said to them, but now if you have a purse, take it and also a bag. And if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. It is written, and he was numbered with the transgressors. And I tell you that this must be fulfilled in me. Yes, what is written about me is reaching its fulfillment. The disciples said, see, Lord, here are two swords. That's enough, he replied. Hello, hello. I'm Anthony. Uh, before we get into the text, uh, let me just open us up in prayer. Abba, Father, we come to you tonight in Jesus Christ. 
not trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and many very, very great mercies. Lord God, we just pray that you would fill each and every one of us with your Holy Spirit and all the fruits of the Holy Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And we come before you tonight because you've already loved us so much more than we can possibly imagine. Uh, in spite of all the things that we do in our lives, to ourselves, to you, to other people that are not the most lovable. But thank you for sending your son, our savior, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray for wisdom and direction and the ability to truly get all of our hearts and all of our lives and all of every aspect of who we are into this new kingdom that you're building in this world, in Christ's name. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, well, uh, if any of you don't know me, my name is Anthony and I am one of the ordinance here which means I am training to be ordained as a priest, God willing, in the very near future, assuming I don't screw it up really, really, really bad. Um, I'm told it's very difficult, but I'm sure it happens occasionally. Uh, I'm sure it happens occasionally. Now, to, we, we read this passage in Luke 22. But before I get into it, I just want to tell each and every one of you, uh, whether I know you personally or whether I don't know you, that I, I love you individually, but also corporately. I do love this church. And it's not simply a platitude, it is something that is in my heart for each and every one of you. And it is a blessing just to be able to share the love that God has given me for you and the love that God has given us in his word together. So, if you've ever gone to a dinner, some of us like to go to dinner, hopefully all of us eat dinner, but uh, I, I enjoy going to dinners, and I enjoy cooking. Everybody needs a hobby. I like hobbies that I can personally, you know, receive benefits too. Um, I get to bless other people when I cook, right? But I also cook for myself most of the time, so I get to receive most of the benefits. Now, sometimes when you're invited to different dinners, it's, you know, it's great. You go, you're expecting to have a good time. The dinner that we're gonna, that we're talking about tonight is a dinner that people normally would, would get together. It was a, a festival night. Jesus is about to celebrate the Passover with his closest disciples, the apostles. The people that he has appointed to go out into all the world with the good news of who he is and what he has done. But even though this is a celebratory occasion, this is also not a normal Passover. Jesus has had Passover with his disciples before, lots of times, but this is the last time he's going to have Passover with his disciples. 
And in fact, it's not just the last time he's gonna have Passover with his disciples. It is the last time he is going to have dinner, period. And Jesus knows it. This is Jesus's last meal. Now you've maybe seen a picture of this Da Vinci's The Last Supper. Well, the reason it's called The Last Supper is because it was the last supper that Jesus had. And when you go into this Last Supper, and as we go through this passage, the first thing that I want us to recognize is, is this. Jesus longs to share a meal with you, with all of us. But, but you in particular, personally, don't hear this as some other person. Jesus wants to share a meal with you. And the meal that he wants to share, as we look through this passage, we're going to look and see this meal that he shared with the apostles, and that's gonna help us understand the meal he wants to share with each and every one of us. Now, the, there's a little bit of background that we need to know about this meal. Um, is there anybody Jewish here? Anybody? You don't have to raise your hand, but you'll understand this more than others probably will. This is matzah, and I would like to apologize. This is not even good matzah. I'm not going to show you the brand. I won't shame it, but it's not good. Um, <laughs> I've had lots of matzah over my life. I'm not Jewish, but I've had lots of matzah. Where I grew up, there was lots of Jewish people, therefore lots of matzah, and I love matzah. Not this matzah, but matzah. <laughs> It's bread. I know not maybe the most bready bread that you've ever seen, you know, but it is bread. And it's very unique. There's no yeast in it. In fact, they make it so fast and they cook it so fast that theoretically there's not even time for the yeast that's naturally in the air to get into it and start fermenting it. Like, they cook it blazing fast. I think uh, the Jewish regulations are like under an hour. You've got to get it, you know, mixed and baked, something like that. If you are Jewish, please correct me if I'm wrong, but it's very fast. And this is the meal, the bread, that is on Jesus' table. It probably looked better than this, it was probably better bread, but a lot of bread is on this table. Now, when you have Passover, the, the Passover has this matzah bread, and we'll, go, we'll come back to that, matzah bread. It also has I'm just dropping things all over now. We've got lots of matzo bread, and then we've got parsley. And at least where I grew up, this is what Jewish people would have <laughs> with the matzo bread. Uh, it's green. Have you ever eaten parsley by itself? This is curly parsley, so this is even the not good parsley. Um, but if, I'm not gonna put it in my mouth, but I, I am, it's not, it's not good. But the reason you eat it is because it's kind of an, a bitter herb. And when you have Passover, you'll put this bread and these bitter herbs and you eat them together. And there is one other very, very essential element um, in the, the biblical tradition of Passover. And that is a lamb roasted over the fire. Now, I didn't bring one, but I did bring a picture, all right? Now, it looks very, very good, I, I think. Like, maybe not super seasoned, but it is roasted. And I did crop the photo so you can't see the head. I thought that would be too much for some people. Uh, but it is very, very good. And this is 
actually how they were instructed to make the Passover meal. And the Passover meal is important because the meal that Jesus is giving to his disciples and the meal that he is transforming into a meal that all of us are going to have the opportunity to share tonight, the meal that Jesus wants to share with each and every one of you is a meal that comes out of an amazing story of God's miraculous rescue of his people from slavery, from violence and from oppression. Basically, God said, I'm about to set you free. It's gonna happen fast. It's gonna happen so fast, in fact, that you can't put any yeast in the bread because there's not gonna be enough time to wait for it to rise. That's why they don't eat it with any yeast in it. And bitter herbs, I'm not exactly sure why the bitter herbs. Uh, there's different you know, Jewish traditions about why, but basically because there is something of the bitterness of life that, they, that the tradition of Passover, you want to remember the bitterness of slavery, the bitterness of that oppression. And then you eat the, you eat the meat. But see, they did something first. Before they roasted the, the lamb, which had to be done over a fire, you, they, you weren't allowed to boil it and you weren't allowed to eat it raw. I'm not sure how many people are like, ooh, raw lamb, that's what I want for dinner tonight. But it was specifically prohibited, no raw lamb. But what they did was they slit the throats of the lamb and the blood came all pouring out. And they took that blood with a hip branch and they splattered it on the doorposts and in sort of like an, an archway. And that blood was a symbol of God's grace and protection over that household. But it was also an expression of faith that God would see that blood and pass over, which is how it gets its name. Because anyone that didn't have that, that blood over the doorpost, the firstborn child was gonna die. Firstborn son, so girls, you're safe. But the firstborn son was going to die. And so people put the blood over the, pa over the, the passageway to their house and uh, an angel came through and killed all the firstborns in Egypt and the Egyptians were like, you know what, we're done with these, these Israelite people, they gotta go, it's too much for us. And they were rescued. And so just as God said, they didn't even have time to, to let the bread rise. And God protected them. And that is what Jewish people for literally thousands of years have celebrated and Jesus would have been celebrating. That's what they were there to celebrate. That moment of amazing divine intervention to free God's people from violence and oppression. And Jesus is here and he says, you know all about that. And that meal was, a, was the beginning of what's known as the old covenant to us Christians, or just the covenant promises to the Jews. They knew that that was the beginning of their relationship with God. It was a relationship that was, that was not something that they could have done on their own. It wasn't something that they necessarily deserved. It was simply because God loved them and he promised to rescue them. And so he does. And so then as they're gathered around the table, um, Jesus transforms the Passover into something that we call today communion. 
And different people call it commun uh, communion. Some people call it uh, the Lord's Supper uh, because it was the Lord's Supper. That hopefully is why it's called communion. We'll return to that. Some people call it the Eucharist and we'll return to that too. But, the, but before we get there, I want you not to miss something that's really amazing at the beginning of this passage. Jesus says, we're gonna all have this meal together. I want you to go and you're gonna bump into some guy, follow that guy back to his house. I mean, it's a very, I, I don't know, like stalk somebody back to their house and then just walk in and invite yourself to the owner of the house. It's a very weird kind of situation. But he's like, go set everything up, but don't worry. You're going to go there and you're gonna see this person and they'll be carrying a water jar. And sure enough, the disciples uh, Peter and John, they go and they bump into this guy carrying a big jar of water and they're like, oh, I guess this is the guy. And so they follow him back to the house and they go into the owner, the owner of the house and they're like, Jesus wants to know where the guest room is and the guy's like, got a big one right up here and everything is ready. And so that is where Peter and John set up everything for this final meal. And then they all come together. Verse 14, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. In this last little moment of Jesus' life on earth, he has very, very few minutes left to his life. You could count them at this point. And it wouldn't be too difficult. Maybe not on your hands and your toes, but it, he has very few minutes left. And who he's gonna share this meal with is maybe not who you would expect. His mother's alive, he's got brothers and sisters. They're not here. That's not who he chooses to spend his last meal alive with on earth. And we know that they're around because they will be there at the cross uh, a day or so later. But he says to these apostles, I have desperately longed to have this meal with you before I suffer. And I'm not gonna have another opportunity because I'm telling you I'm not gonna eat it again until it finds its fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And this is the depth of love for Jesus and his disciples. This is how much he loves the apostles. He loves them so much that he has chosen to be with them over his own mother, over his brothers and his sisters. And I don't know if you've ever been in a dark place or you've seen something really ugly coming for you. And you, you know there's no way to avoid it, you, but you're gonna have to go through it. And it's, it, you can feel that isolation. And in those moments, you want to be with the people that you love the most. And it's not just that Jesus loves them so desperately, but that he has an amazing vision of all that they're going to do and everything that they're gonna become. He's like, my last night on earth has to be with them. Has to be. So then he takes a cup full of wine. 
He says, this is the cup. And he, he tells him to give it around to everybody. Then he takes the piece of bread, very similar to this, and he breaks it, and he passes it around, and he says, this, this is my body broken for you. What he's saying in this moment is that he knows what's coming, he knows that death is right around the corner, but he also knows why he's dying. And the reason he's dying is because he loves these apostles and all the other people who trust in him so much that he doesn't care that it will literally break him. And then he takes this bread and says, take it, eat it. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he takes the cup that they've passed around and he says, this, this cup that is poured out is the blood of the, is, is the new covenant in my blood. Now the old covenant was the promise uh, that God would always be there with his people, that he would be for his people and that nothing could ever take them away from him that he would always be there. But the thing was, the people and God did not always have a great relationship, and they kind of had things break down on a more frequent basis than we would like, but maybe one that we would recognize in ourselves. And in this moment, Jesus is saying, I'm bringing us to that time, because God, God knew that the old covenant needed an upgrade. And so this is the day of the upgrade. And there's a new promise, there's a new relationship between God and people, and Jesus' blood is gonna make it all possible. And it's amazing. And it's amazing, and what he does before the bread and before the wine is he thanks God for it. And believe it or not, this is why some people call it the Eucharist, because that's just the Greek word for thanks. And whenever we take the meal that Jesus gave us to do in remembrance of him, we thank God. But he's also giving them a meal, and this is why we call it communion, that in perhaps the cheeky Jesus way is a meal that keeps giving. It's a meal that is his last meal, but not a meal that won't ever be repeated. Instead, this, this last meal is his last meal on earth, but when we come to his table, when he offers this meal to us, it's amazing because this meal is a meal in which we truly come and commune with God, with Jesus himself, but also through Jesus with one another. That's why we call it Holy Communion, because in communion, we commune with God and we commune with one another. But, but there's also something really provocative at this, at the table. Did you catch it? Who's at the table with Jesus? So it is the 12 apostles, and this is the only gospel actually to call them apostles and not something else. We'll come back to that. 
But Jesus even points it out. He says, look, the hand of the betrayer is with me at the table. The inclusion, the, per, the people that God says is, is willing, to, he's ha- willing to have at this table, it's even the person who has already gotten paid to hand him over to the people who want to kill him. Jesus is sitting literally at a table with somebody that he knows has taken a bribe so that somebody else can arrest him and kill him. And not only was, that would be bad enough, I don't know if you've, hopefully you've never had a dinner that went that poorly, but if that wasn't bad enough, this is one of his best friends. This is the person that he said, even to him, my body is given for you. Now, he also says, things are gonna happen to me the way they're gonna happen, but it's not good news if you're the person that brings it about. And then they, all the apostles at the table, they start uh, arguing about, you know, it can't possibly be me, definitely can't be me, not me, not, not me, can't be me. Now, Sometimes arguments happen at dinner tables. I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but they can happen. But they start, and you can see how this comes up naturally. It starts with, oh, well, no, I would never betray Jesus. I would never betray, because all of the other apostles, they don't know yet. They don't know who the betrayer is. So everybody's trying to figure out who it is, and they're all saying, well, it can't be me, it can't be me. But then all of a sudden, it becomes an argument for, it for sure can't be me, because we all know how great I am. And they start bickering at the dinner table. Jesus has just given them a meal where he says, I'm giving my life for you. I'm pouring out my blood for you. I love you so, so much. And then they all start bickering about who's better, about who's the best Jesus' disciple. And Jesus rebukes it pretty hard. And this is when we get to the second point that I want us to see. Jesus wants us, he longs not just to share a meal with us, but to share his kingdom with you and through you. You individually, he wants to share his kingdom with you, but he also wants that kingdom to be shared through you to the whole world, to everyone you encounter. And so this is why he, he kind of rebukes the apostles. He says, look at this. You are acting the way people who don't know anything about God, they don't know God's grace, they don't know God's love, they, they don't know anything except their greed for power. The Gentiles, the kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. Jesus is just like, You guys are acting, do you see where your heart is? Apostles, do you see where where your heart is? Look at you. You're just as obsessed with power and with reputation as the people who are the obvious oppressors in the world. Do you not see how much you have in common with the people you think of as the most evil? the people who you've suffered from? Then he says, who do you think is the best person? The person who's sitting at the table for dinner or the person serving? Who's greater? What do you think? What do you think? 
person at the table, person getting, serving dinner to the person at the table, it's, it's the person at the getting served, right? Gotta be that person. But look at me, look at me. I am with you as, as a servant. Think about that the next time you go out to dinner and the server comes and brings you your food or your drinks. That's how, that's how subtle this kind of, what Jesus is exposing here, this human heart that looks for power, that looks for reputation, can be as simple as just how we think about the person who brings us dinner. There's a paradox here that Jesus' supremacy is expressed in his service. And then he says to the disciples, look, you're all gonna suffer with me. That is an amazing thing. And you're gonna have this seat at the table with me, which is the new covenant, this new covenant table. I'm sharing my kingdom with you, apostles. I'm sharing it. And with the apostles in particular, he's sharing a spiritual authority. They are going to be the leaders of the church and what Jesus wants and what he does not want. The reason he's spending these last few hours with the, with the apostles is because he does not want anyone in the church, the leaders of the church, to have the same heart that they had before. He doesn't want them to have the same kind of heart that Pharaoh had towards God's people. He wants them to have his heart because that's what his kingdom looks like. And he does not want to die on the cross and leave the people who will be in charge of his church and have them build something other than something that truly looks like him. And now, of course, he warns Peter, look, you're gonna deny me. Peter's like, not gonna happen, Jesus. Willing to go to prison, even die, definitely, on the table, up for it. Peter, to his credit, did learn, because Jesus did rebuke Peter for um, not getting on board with Jesus dying on the cross. But Peter, though he's willing, Jesus is like, I I'm sorry, but not really. Pretty, within, within a few hours, you'll have denied me three times. And then he moves on to this really random passage that honestly, I've spent hours when I was preparing for this sermon. This was the hardest bit to wrestle through. Because he just opens and he's like, so when I sent you out before, and that's what the, the, the word apostle means. It means somebody who's been sent as a representative of somebody else. And he's like, when I sent you out before, what, did you ever lack anything? Even though I sent you without anything without bags, without a wallet, without shoes even. Like, did you ever lack anything? And they're like, nothing, Lord. He's like, great, things are gonna change. So get the wallet, get the bag. In fact, if you don't have one, sell your coat, buy a sword. Then the, the apostles are like, look, Jesus, we've got two swords. And he's like, ay, 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 that is enough. Enough, enough. Two swords, I was not talking about swords. Although, you could, you could understand why they maybe were a little bit confused. <laughs> and 
What he was doing, I think, was in this last moment, because right after this, they go to the garden and Jesus will be betrayed. This is Jesus' last moment to expose the kind of heart that is still in the apostles, a, a heart that is quick to violence. They've already got the swords. They should know better. And Jesus says, this is so that it will f- be fulfilled. But he's, he's hoping, hoping, he knows it's not true, but he's hoping that his apostles will have gotten the program, that they will have gotten the message, and that they won't have the swords yet, but they do. He's also trying to teach them that all of the Old Testament is about him, and we can only understand it in light of Christ. But we don't have time for that. We're gonna, we're gonna wrap things up. What he exposes is that in each and every one of us, that impulse towards violence, it's there. That impulse towards self-aggrandizement, towards an obsession with our reputation, with our social status, with power. And it takes lots of different forms, the way we treat other people in our workplaces, in our families, in our marriages, in church. Jesus is just saying, this is not my kingdom. You cannot build my kingdom with swords. And before I die, you have to understand, I am being put to the sword. I don't conquer by taking one up. My kingdom is willing to be cut down. And then he invites us to the table. What he wants us to see is that when we take communion, when we take the Lord's table, what we are taking, it is an invitation, not just to the, to the promises of Jesus, but to the kingdom of Jesus, to the life of Jesus, a life that will never turn to violence, the life that looks at the person serving at the, wait, at the, at the restaurant and says, that's the best person in this place. Not the person being, he doesn't see the kings and the princes and he doesn't say, obviously that person is the best person. He looks at the heart and he looks and he sees. It's about service. And he invites each one of us to have, when we share communion, it's an invitation to share a life that looks like Christ's. And it is an invitation, especially for those of us that God has given us some leadership. We're gonna close with this. Jesus longs, the third point is, Jesus longs to share this meal, this meal of salvation with you tonight. Tonight. You know what? It's okay, maybe you feel like Judas, maybe you feel like you've betrayed Jesus, maybe you feel like Peter, maybe you've denied 
Jesus. Maybe you, you feel like a failure. Maybe you, you just things are not quite right. Look at the people that were at the table. It's okay. It doesn't matter what you've done. There's grace for you. This is how much Jesus loves you. He loves you so much. He poured out his blood. He poured, broke his body. He's given it for you, and it's an invitation no matter where you are because you can come to the table if you're a betrayer. You can come to the table if you're uh, a denier and a deserter. can't leave as one. You can come if you're violent, if you're angry, but you can't leave violence. And you can't leave without becoming the servant that Jesus is to all of us because he still serves us this table today. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your grace to us. And we just pray that as we take this amazing feast of your body and your blood, that you would give us the power and the strength to live into your kingdom and to take your kingdom into the world, not by violence, but with love and service. And we pray this by your Holy Spirit and in Jesus' name, amen.